Seventh Avenue Pizza, the official pizza of the Soda Pod. The Soda Pod, the official beer and hockey podcast of Seventh Avenue Pizza. And welcome in, hockey fans, to another episode of MNCAA. I'm your host, Nick Maxson. On today's episode, again, more highlights, recap, and predictions for this week around the universities in the state of hockey. And to start off, as always, we have our friend Noah Grant from the Huskies Warming Hills podcast. Noah, welcome into the show. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing fine. What about you? I'm hanging in there. Went apartment shopping today and put in an application today. So I Ooh. might be moving in the early portions of May. So that's exciting, I guess. You know, this is almost a perfect segue because uh, let's just say that it was a disappointing weekend for St. Cloud hockey in a general sense. And some are calling for a, a certain coach to maybe go apartment or job shopping right now. Um, (laughs) So let's talk about that. Uh, Let's talk about this weekend and what happened and your takeaways from it. Yeah. uh, Kind of a mediocre weekend, all things considered from St. Cloud, especially on Friday, left a lot to be desired. Obviously a pair of shootout wins, four, three and two to one on the weekend, officially as a tie, according to the pairwise uh, and some, some pieces of standings, but I, you know, much better on Saturday. I thought a real goaltenders duel, both nights, but especially that second night, Ludwig Pearson, got to give him credit. I mean, we've known that for a while that he's kind of been the Red Hawks backbone. If Miami was to have a chance in some of these hockey games, two of them came against St. Cloud this weekend. Uh, Dominic Bassey looked very good on the other side though. Back-to-back starts for him. Uh, looked very strong in net for the Huskies as well too. Really bailed out the team quite a bit on Friday night, but uh, yeah, I, the panic button uh, it has been hit by some here in Huskies nation here. Uh, I would be remiss to say the Huskies have not lost more than two games in a row yet this season. And that streak continues after this past weekend, considering a pair of shootout wins. So uh, they are still in an okay spot here, sitting seventh in the pair wise. Um, I, I can understand people's frustration. Of course, last weekend against Duluth was a train wreck. There's no sugarcoating that. Um, and maybe slightly flat on Friday, a little bit better on Saturday, like we talked about. Uh, but I don't think a four game stretch from a coach that's put you as a top 10 team for the five seasons. He's been here fastest coach to hundred wins in St. Cloud hockey history, approaching that. Uh, he's obviously done a lot right for this program. And I think it goes beyond that. The loss of Dylan Anhorn certainly seems to have hurt this Huskies team a little more than I think we thought it would. Um, and they still haven't really found a way to remedy that as of yet. But uh, all in all, four to six points, if you're a Huskies fan, could have been worse. Probably could have been better. But at the end of the day, you're still right in the hunt, tied for second in the NCHC. So let's dive into this a little bit, Noah, because we talked last week about how, um, again, a, a very bad outing against Minnesota Duluth and how uh, we were hesitant to throw any panic button out there. We said, hey, it's about how you respond, right? And and some in the fan base argued that they didn't respond and that two ties against a Miami squad, they're the bottom of the NCHC, bottom in the pairwise. Um, but it goes beyond that, right, Noah? So what's for, for Huskies fans that are ready to jump the bandwagon, for those who want a coaching change, which let's be honest, it's not happening, um, <laughs> whether you like it or not. Um, but 
maybe the bigger question is, uh, with a bye week coming up, how do they remedy to get out of this slump? Well, certainly I think special teams needs a good look at. They weren't bad last weekend, only giving up one goal in the penalty kill, and they had a shorty to boot. So really they they drew even on the special teams battle, both of those coming in the same game on Friday. PK goal was given up with three seconds left in the kill as well, too. So they survived most of that one. Uh, you know, I, I think going back to last weekend, uh, one of the first things to point out is that, you know, Miami probably one of their better weekends that they've had this season. I mean, they, especially on Friday, really stretched out the ice, especially on that Olympic sheet at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. Looked very good and, you know, we're kind of pressing the issue a little bit. A couple of four-on-four goals that, you know, they found success in in different strengths as well, too. So for whatever reason, um, and the power play has been okay, so I think people who cite special teams in general, it's more along the penalty kill side. Shorthanded goals have made up for it slightly, but it's really been the PK for the Huskies that has struggled a fair amount as of late. The Duluth series was abhorrent, obviously. Uh, but for whatever reason, uh, anytime the Huskies have less than five skaters on the ice, I think to be fair, so that's four on four, three on three, uh, or on the kill, for example. Um, that's not a power play. We Four on three power plays don't happen much. But uh, for whatever reason, they seem to really struggle. Uh, I don't know what it what it is they kind of get away from their structure a little bit bigger ice sheet of course at home can play against you when it comes to odd man situations like that or you know power plays you have much more room to spread out and and, and create opportunities against but i uh, yeah i think for them uh you know a little bit of rest is going to be important here they've got three more series before they hit playoff time so important obviously to make sure the guys are in shape but at the same time Yes, they had a fair amount of time off at Christmas, but coming back, exhibition game, and then a really tough matchup against Minnesota, and then you're right back into the NCHC gauntlet. Maybe this is something where it couldn't have come at a better time. couple key injuries. Guys, maybe get that final deep breath before that big playoff push where maybe you push them hard a little bit throughout the course of the week, but then over the weekend, you kind of let them get some R&R a little bit and kind of decompress, get away from the game a little bit. I think this is more of a... Uh, a mental battle of war of attrition right now for this Huskies team that it's common around the NCHC, especially, or, you know, the big 10 conferences who are competitive through and through. You look at the big 10 besides Minnesota second through fifth place are all tied at 30 points apiece, right? It's going to be a dog fight to the end in that uh, conference as well, too. So uh, I think it's a good time for mental relaxation. And then you've got to come back the next week and buy, by Tuesday at the latest of game week, you've got to make sure you're dialed in. So I think it's more mental than it is physical right now and a little bit of that special teams four on four type of things. Other than that, the Huskies honestly have been okay. Uh, it really, yes, Duluth left a lot to be desired, but besides that weekend, even if you include Miami last weekend, Huskies have been fine in all other facets. Goaltending has been fine. Offense has been fine. Just a couple little tweaks. And uh, I see a team that might be slightly burned out right now that could use a, just a little bit of a break for a week. And Noah, you know, for the fans who have pushed the panic button per se, right? Uh, so tied for second in the NCHC, 33 points, uh, still seventh in the pairwise last time that we checked. So we're still a top 10 team. Now, for those who are pushing the panic button, uh, let's just float some arguments out there because, uh, again, Huskies off this week and nothing really to preview. So I want to kind of dive into some of this. Um, you know, it, when you have a tough weekend, or a couple of weekends, right? This team really throughout this season has not had, shall we say, a back-to-back -back weekends of struggles yet this year. Yep. Um, so this has been their biggest, if you want to call it a slump so far this season. Now, for those who are like, well, this is happening at the worst time. Um, 
sure maybe we can give them that you know as long as they write the ship right however we're about a month too early for the worst time but right i digress Um, (laughs) right but at the same time right no for those who are like hey you know it's on the coaching staff to wake this team up um that's part of the argument but yeah you certainly want to see a much better at least effort um when it comes to the next series against north dakota i mean really after this break all hands are off all bets have to be you know everybody's got to be on board the train right yeah, certainly. Um, you know, when you look at what it's going to take down the stretch, North Dakota, Omaha, back-to-back road series is something that's actually pretty rare in the NCHC. It's pretty rare to not have a home away home. And then, of course, they finish the regular season at home against Duluth, which should be an interesting matchup. Of course, Huskies need uh, two wins and some goal differential to really help themselves in the pairwise battle concerning that one. But uh, yeah, it's going to have to be all hands on deck. I think really a couple of things that the Huskies really haven't fine tuned yet is they really haven't solidified who their bottom six is. They -hmm. have a couple of guys that have been mainstays, but whether they're third or fourth liners this year, we've yet to really figure that out. And the defensive pairings have been uprooted a little bit. Uh, There's been a lot of criticism, for example, with Jack Peart again uh, and talking about him and, you know, again, uh, Huskies fans really frustrated with him. 19, 20 years old, true sophomore. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Like I said, I haven't been enamored with his play. I mean, I think there's certainly a little bit more to his game that's going to develop. But we had the same conversation the freshman year of Nick Perbix, right? We talked about him and his development path. Sometimes you have to kind of let things play out and let the growing pains be what they are. Uh, It's frustrating when you see it, you know, in a tight hockey game and there's a turnover that leads. Uh, I think a lot of people uh, very wrongly were all over him, especially when he gave up that pseudo breakaway and had to take that penalty in mm-hmm. overtime. You look at the pass he got, it was behind him while his momentum was taking him forward and it brought him backwards onto his heels. I mean, just a really poor pass that uh, he was actually pretty lucky to catch it and almost put himself in a worse spot because of it, because then he ended up being flat footed and had to take that penalty. So uh, a lot of fans here, you know, if they're Huskies fans see the end result, right. And they think, Oh, well he turned the puck over clearly like what a horrible play by Jack Peart. Well, it's all about the setup of the play. The zone entry was all right. The pass was off the mark. You have a Miami forward who was already coming with speed to try to close that gap. And he's able to turn and create an opportunity and ultimately get a power play. So uh, there's more at play than just singular guys that are really struggling right now. I think collectively on the back end, that rhythm that they had where, you know, they knew that Anhorn was going to be in. They knew that Peart was going to be in. They knew that Lidke was going to be in. They knew that Spencer Meyer was going to be in once he came back and there was kind of your top four. And then you could really round out your bottom three with guys, Trayball, whoever it was, who you, who you felt you know was playing well at the current moment. Now you've got one guy in the top four who maybe isn't a top four guy and is now pushed up into that role. And it's created a little bit of chaos. And of course, you lose that veteran experience that Dylan Anhor brings as a transfer fifth year too. So uh, all hands definitely going to have to be on deck. Uh, it starts with the goaltenders up. Net miners have been fine, uh, all things considered. Uh, defense, a little bit shaky in the past couple of weeks, and the bottom six is just looking for a little bit of identity. But the top scorers are still stor- scoring. Uh, you know, the big guns are still rolling. You start to worry when teams don't get chances. Huskies had a bevy mm-hmm. of chances last weekend, still creating a lot of offense, just maybe didn't capitalize as much as we anticipated for a team that's sitting in the mid-40s in the pairwise that they played against. So we talked about this on uh, the Huskies Warmer Nuts podcast on Sunday, and that is, you know, we're so focused on only half of the conversation, which is the Huskies' performance, the Huskies, what what they're doing well, or maybe some of the lacks in their game, right? And what sometimes we even, as 
ourselves miss, right? Is the other half, which is Miami. Yes, they're a bottom team. What's what's not, but, but they played their ass off. They actually had yeah. a decent showing. And let's not forget that a lot of that comes from Ludwig Pearson, um, you know, up in front of them. There's still some talent there. It isn't as deep as some other teams in the conference, but you mentioned it here early in the show. He is their backbone and he, is it fair to say that he almost stole a tie on Saturday with that goaltending duel? Yeah, certainly did. I mean, he's a great goaltender. We've talked about this. Maybe didn't perform as well last year as we had anticipated, especially coming off a great freshman season where, especially in the pod, he was exceptional. Yeah. Uh, but really good year this year. We talk about Miami, one of only two teams in the NCHC in terms of overall record where their win percentage is below 500. Uh, they're at 321. CC is at 404. So, Again, we talked about it on our show. Miami is allowed to have a good weekend. They did have a good weekend. Uh, some rumors around Chris Bergeron's job, fourth year uh, of a seven-year contract. He, he might be on the way out if Miami continues to struggle a little bit here. Seven of the eight teams in the NCHC right now, including Colorado College, are formidable threats every time they're on the ice. And Miami is not far behind as an eighth team that can disrupt and ruffle feathers at least maybe one night on a given weekend in St. Cloud's case this past weekend they put two really good ones together and gave the huskies fits on home ice so yeah my miami is you know uh, i i don't anticipate them getting out of the first round of playoffs but whoever they get whether it's denver western michigan st cloud i wouldn't be shocked if that series goes to three games i don't think miami has enough firepower to take that series but all bets are off if you get a 1-1 hockey game going to the third. This Red Hawks team has shown they can score in bunches and they can hang around in certain games, especially when they're getting good goaltending. They got a pair of them last weekend. Huskies fans have to realize this is one of the toughest, if not the toughest, conference in college hockey. Certainly showed last weekend. A couple more questions here for us, Noah. Uh, now, we talked about this break, right, and how it, you know, just by pure sake of what the results have been may have come at the most perfect or opportune time. But as a former player yourself, you know, when you're kind of in this, you've had a couple of back-to-back -back weekends where you weren't terrible, but you certainly didn't play to uh, your level of expectations, right? How was it that you can mentally reset? What are some of the things that you're doing to try to, you know, get away from the game mentally, trying to, you know, essentially clear the cash, clear the browsing history, whatever you want to call it. So that way, next, uh, the following weekend in North Dakota, you are focused, you're ready to go, and the hunger is there. Yeah, certainly. Uh, you know, I think with players too, I mean, we kind of talk about this, especially with the younger generation too, and how the focus is on hockey 24-7, 365 days a year. Important to be, you know, in the summertime, at least when you're a kid, a multi-sport athlete, but that concept kind of carries over into when you're a player. You have to find a way to take time away from the game. You have to realize that if you're St. Cloud and you truly believe you're going to go on a deep, you know, run towards a frozen four, you've got six games left in the regular season, you know, two each weekend, boom, 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 best of three series the weekend after that, should you be successful, one to two games at the frozen face-off the week after that, after that, two games potentially at the NCAAs and potentially two more to get to a national championship game. That's a long stretch. I think people mm -hmm. have this idea that, oh, we're already towards the end of the regular season. Huskies should be primed and ready for playoff time. The playoffs are a grueling time too. So, understanding that if you want a, a deep playoff run you have to mentally be able to push yourself away from the game and find some sort of quiet space maybe you're going up and you're going fishing with the boys or something like that something to just get yourself away from the game of hockey it sounds simple but you want to let that fester in you a little bit but you also want to get to a point where you kind of put it on the back burner for a little bit and you come back 
the week that you play North Dakota and now you're dialed in, you go, okay, we're back. We're going to be more methodical about this. Instead of kind of reacting on this frustration that, oh, I should sit around for these two weeks and be pissed off about stuff. No, get away from the game. Give your brain a mental reset. Come in with this almost objective mindset of the task that has to be done. And boom, it's a new season. If you're a Huskies fan starting right now, a six game regular season and the playoff push, that's how you've got to look at it if you're a player. And the players will be looking to get things back on the winning track here again after a week off. This week, we'll face the Fighting Hawks in Grand Forks, North Dakota in two weeks' time. And again, the Huskies are still a top-10 team in the country looking to make some damage here in a what's hoped to be a deep postseason run. Noah Grant, thank you very, very much for joining us. We do have to head southeast on I-94 to check in with Drew Gove and the number one-ranked Minnesota Golden Gophers. like supporting local local business local hockey local legends do you like vodka martinis screwdrivers bloody marys white russians whatever you can find i'm more of a vodka fresca guy myself if you nodded yes to any of those look no further than northland vodka giving five percent back to local hockey and of course the recipe that was masterfully crafted by local legend himself, Mark Parrish. Everyone get out there right now. Support Northland Vodka. Run, don't walk. And now welcoming in Drew Cove here to talk all things Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, the one thing that's constant because apparently, Drew, the world is crashing around us. Uh, Twitter has been, well, it's like halfway functional. YouTube and Instagram are down. It's like maybe the Chinese balloon was more deadly than we thought. I don't know. Man. I mean, Twitter's falling apart. Facebook's falling apart. Our pets' heads are falling off. I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. <laughs> Surprised you didn't walk into that one yourself, Nick. I, you know, I had to, you know, set the table for you. Um, exactly. I appreciate just, it. Just only a, only a buck there again at the uh, <laughs> pretty the side anyway. bet on the podcast. Yeah. This, Exactly. <laughs> uh, what hasn't been falling apart has been the number one team in the country. And that's the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, we're off last week, so nothing to recap, Drew, but let's take some opportunity to talk about the opportunity that is in front of Minnesota, because I believe with, is it one or two wins this weekend, they would outright secure um, the regular season Big Ten championship, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah, not a lot of uh, not a lot of room left uh, for teams to kind of come nip at the Gophers' heels. Uh, they're thirteen points up on uh, all the other teams currently. Obviously, the Big Ten Small, get yeah. three three points for a, a regular season win, but uh, it's a it's a logjam there down in the middle of the Big Ten. And you look at it, and if you see anyone that's gonna kind of come after them, uh, you look at it and you see four teams all with thirty points, uh, kind of tied for second uh, in the Big Ten, which is kind of astonishing. But Weird. It's a yeah, but uh, you know, it's a very it's it's a very fun time down the stretch here, and uh, the Gophers have a obviously a very good opportunity with uh, with the two three series remaining here with the Wisconsin. Uh, uh, I think it's yeah. No, I'm blanking on one of the teams besides Wisconsin and Ohio State, but, uh, um, and I'm pretty sure it's Penn State, but. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, didn't have the schedule up in front of me. Apologies there. But uh, um, yeah, I think some teams that uh, are obviously besides Wisconsin in in kind of that position to push uh, against the Gophers. Um, but I think uh, they've they've handled it so far this year um, where they're able to, um, you know, take advantage of those uh, those wins. And 
obviously I think uh, Wisconsin's going to be a big deal to make sure that those series don't matter as much uh, this weekend. And, you know, like you said, just a logjam again, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, all 33 points, Notre Dame, uh, six at 26 points. So weirdly, they could jump from six to two if things go their way uh, sometime this weekend. And then, of course, Wisconsin, kind of the lone outlier at nine points, although they've had a couple of interesting games here and there between some opponents. So it's been a weird, a weird year. Uh, yeah. But Drew, let's 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 talk a little bit about Wisconsin, right, because that's your next opponent. But more so let's talk about what this essentially starts right the weekend off you get three more regular season series uh then it's the big 10 tournament and then it's presumably ncaa tournament time there's no way the gophers are not making it so this is really the start if you're bob mouth's going to gophers this really has to be the initiation of what is going to be tournament hockey right yeah i mean use the week off uh uh to do your advantage to make sure that you're ready to keep going uh, through the rest of the schedule. But obviously um, Wisconsin uh, has been a wild card for some teams in the conference. I, they do only have three wins against big 10 teams this year. Um, one against uh, Notre Dame, one against Ohio state, but one against Michigan. Um, and mm -hmm. obviously um, they've been long improved from their initial uh, start to the season. Obviously um, this win for Wisconsin came back uh, in 2022, but uh, they did lose their last two last weekend to to Michigan in fairly blowout fashion, um, as expected against a team like that. But they did beat Michigan at one point. Um, so, and they did, I mean, they've, they've pushed the Gophers a little bit at times and certainly not a complete effort whatsoever by, by Wisconsin in, in obviously a fair majority of their games this year. But um, even against uh, a fully fledged Minnesota team that uh, is, is, playing the way we've seen them play and playing the way that we've talked about. Um, Wisconsin can come out with an edge, and I think the Gophers are going to have to squash that early, especially Friday because they didn't have any games this past weekend and kind of maybe shaken off some rust. And obviously they've been practicing but uh, and getting used to getting used to being with each other after, after a week off. And obviously that shouldn't be an issue because they've played the whole season together and they played really well. They're all very talented players. But um, I think the Gophers are going to have to watch out um, in, in – start to, to Friday's game just to make sure that they're all on and Wisconsin's not ready to say, you know what, our season has gone absolutely horribly. Let's try and make a statement against our bitter rivals and our the best team in the country um, and see if we can sneak a win out. Because I think this is this is Friday, early Friday, getting out to a good shot. That's the best that's the best chance that they have to to really shock the system that is this really efficient gopher squad. And that's sort of the danger with Wisconsin, right, Drew? And that is uh, their season is not technically done yet. Uh, they're a long shot by any by any stretch of the imagination. But you uh, surprise some people. Um, you're playing for pride. They they're, they're almost like the most dangerous team because they've had snippets here and there, um, and they could play the role of the ultimate wild card. Right? You get things to go your way in one offs in the Big Ten tournament, and all of a sudden you you win the thing somehow, and you're in the dance. Right? It's just it's weird. So. Uh, for the Gophers here, like you mentioned, you want to get off to a good start. Now, to recap their previous series, a 7-1 to one, trouncing on Friday, and then it was that Saturday game. It was that second where I think Wisconsin themselves jumped up 2 nothing before the Gophers essentially kind of got their feet underneath them and uh, mm -hmm. came away to claw back and win that one 6-4. to four. Um, But like you said, it's more about, shall we say, just position yourselves and say, no, we're the number one team, not only in this conference, but also in the nation. And you know, we got business to take care of. It's all business right now. Yeah, and I think we saw a lot of that against uh, um, 
in the series against Michigan State a couple weeks ago. I don't think a lot of that um, is going to be forgotten by the Gophers players and the coaching staff, obviously building off of what they did really, really well to, to really um, – to dominate Michigan state. And I think obviously they've had, they've done well at doing that this year and blowing out Michigan state. Um, but I think um, you got to use a lot of that. Um, you got to use that momentum and that kind of business like approach that we saw um, from the Gophers and kind of just saying, all right, we're going to get some efficient scoring. We're going to have the usual guys score. Um, we're going to see people throughout the lineup also get on the board. Uh, but it's it just, it, it's kind of a, you just got to approach it like a clinical approach and you don't like to use the cliche, but just like each day, just kind of come in with the same attitude. Um, but that's the way the Gophers are going to need to be because they're going to need to have that approach when it really, really matters. When they, it, they, when they get, when they get to the tournament, they're going to need to approach it. Like it's a norm, like it's a, a, a February uh, game against Wisconsin. They're not going to, they don't want to probably say, wow, this is super special. This is amazing. We got to get our nerves up. We're playing and we're, uh, frozen four say like you got to get to that point first but uh, I, I think it's a it's an important lesson for them to understand that all right every game is important every game is a game um, and whether it's Wisconsin or you're playing against uh, one of the best teams in the country uh, in, in the tournament uh, kind of got to approach it the same way and so and there's sort of the double-edged sword of this right Drew because uh, there's expectations being the number one team in the country um, and that can almost work against you sometimes. And here's what I mean by that. You know, there's no question that as players, as coaches, uh, there's a buzz around this Minnesota Gopher squad, all for very good reasons. This is a very good, dangerous squad. And I would think uh, with the coaches polling being consistent throughout, essentially, this is the favor to make a deep run, right? There's some others that are out there, Quinnipiac, just to name a couple. Michigan could also be in this conversation. But as much as you want to take this business-like approach, you also don't want to want to make it more than what it is, right? If you also have to stay relaxed in a sense and still have fun, how tough is it really to communicate that type of relaxation and, and making sure that in the words of Herb Brooks, you still get to have fun on the ice because if you take it too seriously, then say some maybe early game adversity comes out, uh, now all of a sudden you're getting off your game and it can almost work against you. So how do you balance that? I mean, I think it's it, like we mentioned a few weeks ago too. A lot of the younger guys kind of setting some of the tone. I think it's obviously up to the guys up front, um, the Brock favors um, to kind of set the tone to say, "All right, here's what our game plan is. Um, we all know what we expect of each other to accomplish what we want to accomplish." But I think it's on the younger guys, and especially the the Jimmy Snuggerudes, and I think uh, the Red Pitlicks to kind of set that emotional, um, be those emotional drivers and say, "All right, this is hockey. This is." A, the time to have fun we're playing um where a lot of us as kids always dreamed playing and we're playing at a super high level let's enjoy it while we're here and let's play really really while disciplined hockey it needs to be exciting and i think if if they're if they're making exciting plays it won't be it won't be difficult to to have fun um and especially with the way that first line plays that's got to every night that's got to be kind of an emotional um support for some of the team to say wow these guys even if they're gripping their sticks a little tight it just it 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 works and it it's always an exciting play the way they score and um i mean it does happen every game of every weekend and uh if if that's if that can't get a team up especially um in in a in pretty, pretty tight situation you know it's uh it, they might be in a difficult spot but i think i don't think they have to worry about that too much because it has just come in in waves and, and that's that's something that i don't think they'll have to worry about just because it has worked so well so far this year 
And is that sort of from a fan's perspective, right? Is you have six games left, right? We we can say this ad nauseum, but at the same time, Drew, and that is we probably are going to go six and zero, right? Uh, you may drop one, you may drop two. Uh, no, we can play the game of well, it better not be against Wisconsin. Um, mm-hmm. And at the end, it may happen, right? Um, is it more key that you know, at least from a fan's perspective, if you're if you're trying to shall we say blast us on the major airwaves that you know, just understanding that you're playing the long game right now, that you're going to have bumps in the road. Um, and it's more so how you sort of are able to internalize that and just essentially move on from that. Is that sort of the message right now? Yeah, I think we've, we've understood the expectations. We've laid them out of what this team has had since the middle of last year. And it's been, uh, it's been kind of gone on against a roller coaster a few times, obviously with Jack LaFontaine and, who left and who stayed and kind of ups and downs of like, okay, is this a really realistic goal? And then all the guys that came back after this year, all right, it's a very realistic goal to make it to the frozen four. Um, the, the, the team definitely has to understand that, that that's kind of the way they're positioning themselves right now. Um, anything but a trip to the frozen four would be a disappointment. I think we, we very, we're very clear in saying that at the start of the year. Um, it, it is important to remember that. Uh, going into these games and I think for a fan base too that uh, that necessarily hasn't been deprived of exciting hockey for the last 20 years entirely obviously the Gophers have still been one of the better programs in the country um, ever since their last national championship but this this is their best shot since 2012 and I think it's a better shot than 2012 I mean it's good it's good since 2003 and uh, it'll be Interesting to see how they approach these these last few games, especially I think the next two series too, or even more, um, considering just how kind of closer the competition will be to uh, someone that they're likely going to see in the tournament. Um, but yeah, I think it's for a fan from a fan's perspective, you got to think it's it's minimum four of six um, and yeah. not being swept in a weekend. So two against Wisconsin uh, splits in the last two series, I think is the kind of the minimum from an expectation standpoint. And I don't think that's that's too low or too high for a fan base to expect that with a team that you're rooting for in the Gophers right now. Um, but I mean, they could very well go go six and zero too. So, and I think a lot of people would not be surprised or really excited by that because this Gophers team has done a really good job at winning a lot of games this year when they're, when, when they're supposed to. Um, so it, 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 it could go uh, a, a few different ways, but I don't think this fan base is going to be too surprised, um, especially if it goes extraordinarily well. And again, if you drop two, like you said, four or six, like you said, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's not really going to hurt you at the end of the day. You know, you're more than likely going to be a number one seed at some point in the regionals. Just again, time is on your side now in terms of how the Parawise can sort of, you know, shift both up and down, right? So I think it's yep. important to remember that there's going to be bumps and, you know, have the bumps when you can afford the bumps, right? Have the adversity now, you know, learn to battle through that and then be ready to, you know, put all hands on deck when we get to the tournament come late March, uh, mid-March, I should say, right? It's crazy. Yeah. Um, Drew, uh, we'll keep this prediction segment short because I think we're on the same page that uh, the Gophers should take care of business. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd imagine that's sort of the directive here. Yeah, I think the Gophers will get two wins. I think uh, if Wisconsin has any um, any business being in any of the games, I think it's coming out strong on Friday. Um, if they get blown out on Friday too, um, I think they do have a chance to to really come out hard on Saturday to say, man, our, our pride really got hurt the, the previous night. But 
Um, I do think the Gophers take care of business regardless of what happens and regardless of how, how motivated Wisconsin is. I just, the Gophers are just a more talented team uh, top to bottom. And they've had more success, uh, quite a bit more this season. So I expect yep. also the just same a result. Bit, yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, big red and more like, uh, yeah, not good. So anyway, uh, with that being said, uh, Drew Cove, thank you very much. We're going to go from the number one team in the country to arguably the hottest team in the country here as of late. It's the Minnesota State Mavericks. And that's up next here on MNCAA. I want to take this quick break, folks, to tell you about our friends at Waggle Golf. Don't forget to get your Waggle on today. The best damn golf apparel in the world. And yes, they ship internationally as well. If you want to look fly as hell in Canada, you can do so. Go check them out. GetYourWaggleOn.com. Check out the best golf shirts, half zips, hats, toques, beanies to you all in the United States. The whole nine yards. They have some of their regular items that are so popular year-round, as well as custom drops seemingly every couple months. So check them out on social media, and don't forget to visit their website, getyourwaggleon.com. You'll see me and Hoppy. We rep that stuff with pride. We love it. We don't just wear it. We don't just show it off because they're friends of us here on the podcast. We wear it because we love it. And we're not the biggest golfers out there. Look good, feel good, and if you're on the courses in the summer, play good. Get your waggle on dogcom. And now from number one to the hottest team in Minnesota college hockey, it is time for Minnesota State Mavericks. And with us as always, Marissa Vassal, Alex Micheletti. Guys, how are we doing today? Um, Doing good. Yeah, doing good. <laughs> that's how ah. I'm doing. That's how I'm doing the Bud Light Seltzer, baby. Seltzer, Alex. I don't. I don't think you're a seltzer guy. But what's what's no. your beverage of choice? Uh, I could be wrong. Just uh... <laughs> diet doctor. Di- that diet you know doctor pepper is superior. I will tell you this. I'm not a diet pop drinker, but from everybody that I know, the diet doctor pepper is about as close to regular doctor peppers you can get. Yeah. Yes. No. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's actually very nice. Like I don't like regular doctor pepper, which gets people like flamed up. But I love diet doctor pepper. <laughs> So, and he's got the PhD. So anyway, all righty guys. So um, the, shall we say the, uh, the, the team that we're going to be talking about has been masterful. Uh, shall we say, you know, doctoral in their approach the last uh, little bit uh, was on an eight game winning streak before this past weekend. They split with St. Thomas. Aww. And now I, I say that with an inflection because uh, St. Thomas again is, is showing us they're a second half team and, uh, uh, dare I say, and I'll start with you, Marissa, did they kind of catch Minnesota State off guard a little bit? Yeah, I think so. We just said time and time again that we're not that good at home, and I think that was just evident for some reason. I mean, we rattled them when we were at their their barn, and then they rattled us. Um, but th- they're a strong team. And I said this in the beginning of MNCA where I said, don't be surprised if St. Thomas is not last in the ccha this year they do have some good components rico is doing something good they obviously got a new addition their recruiting class is 
looking very good for the next couple very of years. Good. So they're doing some good things right now, and they're a very sneaky team that I, I think will be great in the upcoming um, years. But they did rattle us a little bit on Friday night. And I, you know, like Alex and I said last segment, um, we, we didn't expect that. We expected a sweep. I don't think anybody expected a, uh, a split, except for obviously Ryan, which I feel like half the time he's like has to say that it covers St. Thomas. But um, the safe bet. <laughs> right, the safe bet for real. So, um, yeah, they did rattle us. But um, I think the biggest thing when those things happen is how you react. You know, how you react to a situation, how do you react to a loss? And we reacted very well um, come Saturday. Alex, let's talk about Saturday too, right? And before we mm -hmm. do that, what in the hell is happening with this team at home? It, it's just bizarre <laughs> to me. Um, normally, they don't hold much advantage. You know, you're playing in front of a very good crowd. Uh, again, I was with you in attendance last uh, year when St. Cloud made the trip down. It was an electric atmosphere. And just there's just some things in hockey you just can't explain whether it's a bounce here, the crossbar, you know, you're an inch too high. So instead of going bar down, it goes bar into the net. Um, is this just one of those unexplainable trends from Minnesota State that just has no rhyme or reason? Yeah, you know, on Friday, um, I don't know. There's something with this uh, conference and officiating. Um, they're, uh, they're always... I'm sorry, I didn't realize every... I had Max Beach on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every weekend, it seems like this conference either, you know, cannot figure out um, replays. Replays take way too long, or there's calls that should be called that don't get called. And these two teams, they had another one on Friday. Um, missed where goals Jake that Living... were supposed to be not goals. We missed that part. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, I mean, uh, there was a call on Friday uh, night uh, where Jake Livingstone, when St. Saint... Thomas was on the power play, he got held behind the back of the net um, and it led to a goal. And, you know, St. Thomas tied it up. Um, you know, Ma the Mavs were up late and, the you know, St. Thomas got a late call and Hastings went when that's um and you know that you know because the Mavs had had the lead late um and you know it led to a five on three and just you know it was just like every time these two teams play they always have to have something so I mean St. Thomas gets one back from you know the non-call last last year in the playoff where um you know a Mankato guy held the St. Thomas guy and the Mavs immediately scored so I don't know it's it's something between those two teams but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, you know, like we've always talked about too, um, you know, you don't have Dryden McKay back there anymore. So um, you're going to have, a few times uh, this year. yeah, <laughs> you're, you're going to have your struggles, but I mean, they've seemed to, you know, figure it out. They almost, you know, like, like I said, they, they had him on Friday and they just couldn't, you know, um, couldn't stay out of the box late, but uh, you know, they responded really well on Saturday um, and, you know, got the crucial two, you know, or multiple points that they needed because, you know, they're only one point ahead of, you know, Tech and uh, they need to, to keep this going. And uh, nice to have another off week uh, and get ready for a heck of a trip up to Bemidji. And Marissa, this is when, uh, when your winner's nine out of 10, I don't think anybody's going to scoff at that, right? So that's good. The other thing is, is it almost better that you end a winning streak of that length now and not in the playoffs. I mean, is there something the timing of these things where, you know, sometimes they become the main storyline, not necessarily how they're winning or how they're losing. Um, is this sort of maybe in a weird sense, like a relief just to kind of get it over with? 
I would think so. Um, last pod, I talked about how crucial it was to just go on and being perfect from here on out. But if we would pick a game or a series to lose, this was going to be the one, obviously, Bemidji. And then we got Tech coming up on the 25th and 26th or something of that nature um, towards the end of mm-hmm. February. And that obviously is a huge one because that one is at home. Um, so th- if there was a time to lose, it would would be against St. Thomas. But right now, I do need to specify the importance of basically being perfect because again like alex said that we are only one point ahead of tech and they're they're coming on very hot i mean they're a very good team blake pedela is playing absolutely well and they're a component and i would think for them uh, those two teams at the top of the ccha standings to be the ones in the finals for the ccha tournament so um we can't we can't lose but the timing of it of us losing is is if we do st thomas it's gonna be it's gonna be good because no one's gonna be like Oh, yeah, it's St. Thomas. Like, it's a little bit surprising, but if you lose to uh, Bemidji State, if you lose to Tech, if you lose to any of the other ones that are in the upper half of the standings, it's just going to be horrible for pairwise, and it's going to be horrible for us trying to get back to the tournament. Yeah. And, and Alex, you know, let's, let's look at the CCHA standings, right? Uh, number mm-hmm. one, number two between you and Michigan Tech. And then at the bottom, um, it's Lake Superior, where they're kind of their own kind of, you know, zone right now, essentially. Uh, just because of the toughness they've had. Uh, St. Thomas is in seventh, and albeit your last weekend series in the regular season is against Michigan Tech. So um, being that St. Thomas just gave you a little bit of a scare, is it more important that you, again, you assert yourselves as the number one team or, you know, either one, if you face St. Thomas or Michigan Tech, there are two teams that you just have to be able to beat, right? Yeah. I mean, um, when the schedule makers made this uh, schedule, it, it worked out absolutely perfect for them as far as drama at the at the end of the uh, season not, here. Not and, scripted, uh, right? Hashtag not. No. Yes. <laughs> yes. The CCHA and the NFL are are, are they're locked hiring in the same not providers. scripted. They're yeah. they're not <laughs> scripted quotation marks. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, you, you couldn't, as a college hockey fan in, in this conference, you couldn't ask for, uh, you know, better drama at the end of the year here. And, uh, you know, Michigan Tech has their version of Dry Decay and Blake Pietela, like uh, like Marissa talked about, and uh, he's going to be tough to beat. And, you know, Bemidji, they are, um, you know, the Jock Lemaire of, of, uh, of college hockey. They play that trap and they just bore you. <laughs> and and try to win low scoring games um and uh yeah tom seratori is a heck of a coach and uh that's gonna be a fun fun couple of weeks here and uh you know but you know the mavs um you know they they've seen to figure things out and my case things um you know this you know this is why he gets paid a lot of money is uh um you know when when you're facing some adversity you know um you look to your your coaching staff, and uh, they've uh, they've found a way uh, to win, and uh, getting better goaltending, and getting their seniors to to finally step up here and off the milk carton, as we like to say. Um, and so, yeah, um, yeah, it's gonna be exciting uh, finish here for sure. So I'm gonna play devil's advocate because apparently yep. I do that well. Good, um, <laughs> uh, Marissa. So interestingly enough, you know. Again, we talk about how, you know, this sort of break could be a good thing and mm-hmm. kind of kind of reset. But some would argue this is not a great time for no, a break because, not. again, you're only two regular season weekends away from the playoffs. Uh, you want to be playing. You want to be on a roll. 
Uh, I guess how, as a player, as a coaching staff, how do you sort of mitigate this schedule the way that it is? Again, you can't control it, but you can control how you essentially tread those waters. So what do you do? Yeah, so the biggest thing too, uh, the winter break when we took for Christmas and everything that was needed right now because we are getting on a groove and finally finding ourselves, this break could come at the worst time possible because right now, if we take a couple weeks off or we take a week off, this is just going to be bad mojo. And what you do is you just stay to your routine. You know, with a lot of the guys when they had the breaks and I was still doing the interviews and I say, how do you do things? They're just saying, it's good to get a couple you know, days or a week off to not be banged into the boards, but they're still practicing every single day. They're still working mm -hmm. out. They're still weighing in. They're still going and watching film. These guys, even though they have this break, they don't really have a break because they're still prepping. Um, they're, they're practicing every single day, and that's what you need to do because you can't get out of the groove right now, and you can't get out of the groove ever, especially in college hockey. And I think that's the biggest thing to keeping our momentum going on through the Bemidji State and the Tech and um, another series that we have in between there um so yeah we just we just need to stay true and stay true to our routine because in hockey that's everything and just hope that this doesn't hurt us and hope that we don't come out and be like slumped you know and like a hangover if you will like a break hangover alex is there a truth to marissa or is she um am i, am I just bsing it no no she's she's right on the money um you know um you know this team is people. um you know, this team is scoreboard watching. Uh, they'll definitely mm -hmm. be on the CCHA website all weekend, seeing how the rest of the teams do, because they want they want to win another uh, you know conference title. Um, you know, they've held it down for the past decade, it seems like, um, and they don't want to give it up. Um, and so, um, yeah, they, they they're fired up. They they know that they've figured it out um you know they haven't been in this type of position in you know past couple of years uh but um, you know they've <laughs> they like we talked about they've just found a way um and they're doing it a little bit differently than in the years past uh, they don't uh they don't have a nathan smith they don't have a julian the pravnik that you know you could always rely on to be that score every game uh, they're kind of doing it by committee we saw Andy Carroll score you know, a couple goals, <laughs> um, you know, unlikely, unlikely goal score, and he got, uh, you know, defenseman of the week um, in the in the conference. Um, so yeah, they're just uh, doing it by committee and uh, um, goaltending. <laughs> um, you don't, you never know where you're gonna get with Keenan right now. So, uh, but he's in a good groove, um, and yeah, we ride the wave. So with that being said, guys, a uh, quick recap, right? So Minnesota State off this week. Uh, if you talk about scoreboard uh, watching, I think another list they'll be watching is the pairwise, right? Because mm -hmm. when you're mm -hmm. when you're idle, essentially, right, uh, you can move without having to move your legs, essentially. Minnesota State currently 13th in the pairwise, uh, still sort of in a bubble situation. So, uh, Marissa, if the cards which are out of Minnesota State's hands don't fall their way, right? Um, you don't want to put additional pressure on yourselves, right? But how do you sort of, as she said, migrate through the emotions of, you know, towards the end of the regular season here? It, it is really funny because every time I would interview the guys, I personally would always be looking forward because that's what I do as a fan, an interviewer. I look so, I'm like, how are you preparing for this series at the end of the end of the year? How are you preparing for the tournament? How are you preparing for pairwise? And they would always tell me short answers. 
because they'd say, well, we're just really worried about the series next. We're, we're really worried about the day, the practice, the week. So these guys don't ever look forward. They don't look towards the pairwise. They don't worry about that until it becomes time. And they just really focus on that practice, that day, that game, um, that week. And I think that's what helps hockey players a lot is because they have so much riding on this, right? Like you said, we're on a bubble right now. We have to be perfect. There's a lot of expectations. The fans aren't happy. Everything is coming to their throats. And that is what you don't want. You don't want that pressure. You don't want that stress. So they really try to narrow that down and make sure that there is no pressure or stress um, or emotions at all. And they just say, hey, we're going to bury our head down. We're going to focus on practice one day at a time. Just do what we can and really um, kind of get bar down. So I think that's the best thing that this Maverick squad can do. And they've been doing uh, excellently for the last couple of years that I used to interview them is they just take the emotion out of it and they play hockey and they know their role and they know what they have to do. And that seems to work well for them. So let's see if it works well. And I think that's also a coach Hastings special. He always tells the guys like, just worry about what we got in front of us. Don't worry about the big things and don't worry about this. Like he is always the big, like what, what's right here. And then we can focus on the, a little bit, the layers. And Alex to, to Marissa's point there, again, you can only control what you can control. Right. And uh, to Aaron Sickman's credit, uh, again, media broadcaster, director for the Wild, he tweets, hockey is fun. Well, it's it's fun when you're winning, right? And <laughs> at the end of it, you kind of have to keep that mojo, uh, even if it's out of your hands, right? Because, again, if you start to focus on even too much, even what you have in control, sometimes that can have the opposite effect. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, you know, and... Uh, this, this team has done so much winning over the, over the years and, uh, there's nothing better than winning. Um, and they, uh, oh, they love to have the, <laughs> <laughs> they love to have the bragging rights. Um, and they want to be known as the best team in the state of Minnesota too. Um, we've seen it. They've, uh, they've ended the gopher season the past couple of years in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, if they want to get back to, Frozen Four, they're probably going to have to play the Gophers again, which would be just absolutely amazing. Um, so you know, script we'll writing, my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Give it to me. Exactly. Oh, we'll see goodness. if it happens. You know, they have to get there first. Um, you know, right. with the pairwise, um, it the pairwise is always crazy because the Atlantic Conference can never get a team in the top sixteen. So if you're the fifteenth or the sixteenth ranked team, you're like. Oh no, we're not gonna. Yeah. We're we're on the extreme edge because that conference can never, you know, get high enough in the pairwise. So, um, yeah, it's just gonna be crazy. Hopefully, the CCHA gets a couple teams in. It's always nice to get multi multi teams uh, in in the tournament. But uh, it, it, it seems like to be a, a one uh, one team conference or in the NCAA tournament this season. So, yeah, gonna be a lot of drama. Uh, you know, this NCAA tournament could be a lot different we might not see some blue bloods like north dakota and umd in it so yeah it's gonna be a fascinating finish I, I can't wait as a college hockey fan of all the teams it's uh it's a lot of fun it's almost tournament time here for us in mncaa territory and we'll mm -hmm. be here to cover it for you all again minnesota state off this week before heading back to the regular season schedule next week. Alex and Marissa, thank you very, very much. It's time to bring in Steger because we get to check in on $75 million man here coming up here next on MNCAA.
And now with the help of Starlink from our good friends at Tesla, we do have finally have a Wi-Fi connection with our friend Ryan Steger. Yes, you knew, you knew I was going to go there with you, didn't you, Ryan? Yeah. I just, I, yeah, yeah. There's no I, way. I know. Wi-Fi is good this week. Connection's great. We'll, we'll have a good show. Apparently Twitter's connection, Instagram, YouTube. I mean, the, the world is ending. It was, yeah, that's, that's the one thing you do have a connection to that, Ryan. So that's good. You're actually beating yes. a couple of our favorite social media websites. So that's awesome. Um, speaking of beating things that maybe people didn't expect, St. Thomas, what in the absolute heck happened? They finally got a win against Minnesota State. This was a pretty nice victory for them on Friday night. Yeah, I uh, I actually thought they'd get a split. I thought I thought they'd win on Saturday. I didn't think they'd win down in Mankato. But, you know, I, should I gloat a little bit with Marissa? Because Marissa insisted it was going to be a sweep. You can do whatever you want. This is <laughs> All right. So I was right. Marissa was wrong. It was a split, not a Mankato sweep. So that's it. I'm pretty Jeez. proud of myself right now. That's uh, a very St. Thomas answer. Like, yep, we're the best. You guys all, everybody else suck. We got more money. <laughs> Case closed. That's awesome. I, I keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> and if but, you're Rico Blasio, you keep it simple. And even on the uh, refutes, because you just kind of slam your stick across the boards. And apparently the message is sent, right? Yeah. That's that's a typical reaction <laughs> I get from him. So, but uh, yeah, it was it was a great win. I was keeping track of it on my TV, and it was just they were just so efficient throughout the game. They were holding on to a lead. Mankato got back to it, and in the past, if St. Thomas was in that situation, you'd think they'd wilt, you know, because that's just kind of oh, the third period happened. We've kind of lost our lead. We're going to get shaken up. But then they got on the power play, got the goal back to tie it, went into overtime, and a great defensive play by Mac Byers just picks the pocket out of one of the best defensemen in the country, Jake Livingstone, and just goes right down the ice and scores a great goal. So, yeah, it was a it was a really impressive game. And then Saturday, it's penalty problems just burned them really badly. They spent a lot of time on the kill, and it just – when you're – when you're shorthanded for a good chunk of the game, it's hard to get any momentum going. And Mankato's just good on the power play, and they just did what I expect them to do. I just thought the nights would be flip flopped. I thought the wind would come on Saturday and not on Friday. But overall, a good weekend for St. Thomas. So, so Ryan, you talked about the play with Jake Livingstone. Uh, Mankato fans saw that quite a bit differently. They saw uh, a missed holding call uh, that led to uh, the St. Thomas goal. Uh, what did you see on that play? On that play, I saw a call that could have gone either way. Um, I don't really think it was as egregious as a hold as everybody's in Mankato thinks it was. Um, and honestly, I feel like that's Mankato's fault, really, because it's like, had they not paused and raised up their hands at the referees, it's like they would have been able to stop because – they found an opening. That's what St. Thomas did, and that's what got them the tying goal. So yeah, you can kind of blame it on a non-call, um, but it's easy, time, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the easy way to go about it. But in reality, is you had a lead late, and you let it slip away, and then you gave it up in overtime. So Mankato kind of should be blaming themselves rather than the officials. It was not. It's not like the playoffs last year when St. Thomas got robbed on that non-call that led to the goal where everything shifted and it was completely, you know, this was 
pretty much Mankato's fault. They can't really blame the officials on that one. And then the next night they took care of business. So there it is. Yeah. Payback's a BITC fill in the blank, right? Um, karma's went full circle, maybe some would say. Um, you know, it's, it's where a hockey can kind of be that way, where it's, you know, it's not always right away, but somehow it always kind of closes full circle in some way. Uh, but like you said, Ryan, uh, Mankano were spotted on the road where apparently as of late before their eight-game winning streak, um, they couldn't win a game at home, and apparently the home struggles continue. Um, and for St. Thomas, uh, after that win, and then – it's, it's yeah they took care of business five three mini Mankato State did but what's the overall feeling with St Thomas which is starting to have that same narrative we saw last year which is this team is becoming more of that second half disruptive team that you maybe don't want to face in the CCHA tournament you know um I've asked Ty Agner this and I've asked Grandpa Tony this they've all said the same thing it's like you can't look past St Thomas anymore. I mean, you, you shouldn't have done that last year, but you really can't afford to do that now because they've shown they can beat any team in the conference. Um, they've beaten Michigan Tech now. They've beaten Bowling Green now. They've beaten Minnesota State now. Um, I'm pretty sure they've beaten everybody with the exception of Northern and Bemidji, and they still have a chance to play both of those teams this year So <laughs> to get that first win against them. So they've shown they can beat everybody in the league. They just haven't done it quite yet this season, but you know, you can't, there's not a team in the country that says, Oh, we're playing St. Thomas this weekend. This is going to be a sweep or this is going to be a really easy weekend. St. Thomas has pretty much showed now that in just one season, they've gone from the transition D three member that you can kind of forget about and overlook to a team that's going to make some noise and give you a battle you know, for mm-hmm. three periods. The third period has been still their jinx a little bit, but you're still going to get a fight out of them. It's not going to, it's going to be a drawn out 60 minute battle to the end because St. Thomas doesn't quit. And I was talking to grandpa Tony today and he said they play hard and it's constantly hard and it's something Rico preaches and uh, they really buy into that. So it's no, n- nobody should be overlooking St. Thomas at this point. So, Ryan, let's flip the argument here because it's one thing for an opponent to respect their adversary, right? It's it's one thing for these teams to recognize that St. Thomas is, you know, getting better. Um, again, they're only going to continue to get better. But on the flip side, if you're on St. Thomas, you have to believe, right? It's not just you have to work hard, but you have to believe that when you walk into the rink and there's 60 minutes of hockey to play that you have a chance to win, right? Is there a belief in that uh, locker room with the coaches and the players that, hey, we have a chance to win every single night we step on the ice. From what I've heard and what I've understood and the vibe I've seen in the tunnels and during the game, St. Thomas does believe that they can win any game. You know, last year they were just overwhelmed in a lot of matches, a lot of Mm -hmm. games. They just, I think they were going to give it all they had, but it's like, I don't think they went in and said, oh, yeah, we're beating Penn State tonight. Or, yeah, we're going to take down Mankato and Mankato. It's This year, it's like they know they have the ability to do it, and they can do it. So there's this confidence. I've asked Rico about that a couple times now, and he says there's a lot of belief with the guys. They, If they get shook up and they go down a goal, they believe that they're going to come back. If they if the game's tied late, they think they're going to hold on and get that goal to win it all. They're just – it's – 
definitely a mindset change and it's really kind of fun to watch them play because they play so physical and they're playing a lot more intelligently now and they just when you can play a little loose and just like people just expect us that we're not going to play very well so we're going to prove them wrong we're just we go in with this we're going to win attitude then you don't really care what people are thinking and you have that free way of skating it's a it's a it's interesting how they've come so far in just the span of a year and uh it, tommy's fans should be embracing it right now it's they're quite a team to watch right now and with some good recruits coming in uh one of the bigger news out of college hockey in terms of you know, what we call it a futures watch right is uh uh, a pretty big, is it a goaltender from Minnetonka, right, that uh, signed on to uh, the Tommies? Yeah. So, I mean, Rico has always been a pretty solid recruiter. Yes. And he's getting guys that to buy into this program. You know, the, the tough thing I imagine from him when he took over the program last year was like, we're not going to be able to make the NCAA tournament for five years. Mm -hmm. We play in a small arena. We're starting fresh. We're playing in a conference with – far more established teams, far more deeper and talented teams. How do I make that sales pitch? Now he's been able to do it effectively. He's getting Twin Cities kids to stay at home and play for a team that they could play and have a great season their senior year and not make the NCAA tournament. You know, mm -hmm. they, And so that's got to be a bit of a blow, but they're willing to go look past that. They got a sparkling new arena that they can brag about. That's going to in theory be built and ready to go in 2025. I'm thinking it'll probably be more 2026 probably. Yeah. 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 So, but still, you know, he's, he's got the ability to sell his program now and to see players want to be playing in this kind of atmosphere and you know they had a thousand fans you know lat you know last weekend that was in sell awesome. biggest crowd in the the arena's you know history with st thomas there and now you have people wanting to play in that type of an atmosphere you got they could play anywhere they could play like north dakota where you get thirteen thousand fans or something like that but they're choosing to stick around and playing in a thousand seat at maximum capacity arena. And it's, it's fun watching a team build, you know, when you're mm -hmm. starting from making a big transition, it's going to take a while, but the Tommies are a point out of sixth place and doing yeah. probably far better than people thought they would be this year. And who knows if they can go on a run, maybe they can get as high as fifth if they can really put it all together. So it's, 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 it's a fun time to go to hockey games at St. Thomas. Now, you know, that, you know, it's, they're going to be, you know, in the bottom half of the conference and there's other teams that are probably deeper and more talented than they are still, but it's, they're still fun to watch. And, you know, going in that this could very easily be a win. It's not a, well, I'm going to watch a loss tonight. I'm going to actually good chance. Yeah. I'm going to win. <laughs> And, and Ryan, you know, three regular season series left, uh, more importantly, the one that's in front of us, right? Uh, Northern Michigan, I believe, is who you play um, here this upcoming weekend, again, at home. 
uh, as you mentioned, there's some standing implications here. You could jump into sixth if the cards fall your roll your favor. The Tommies are three, three, and one in their past seven. So there's some momentum here. Uh, what can we expect this weekend in what should be a matchup? Not only that's important, but Tommies, but Northern Michigan has not been great the second half of the season. So you know that they're looking for any positivity on their bench as well. You know, of St. Thomas's schedule, this is the series I had circled for myself because I covered Northern Michigan for seven years. And this is the first time I'll actually get to see them come to St. Thomas. And that's kind of going to be a fun little homecoming for all these people and get to see them. So, but that's just, that's, that's my selling point. That's why I'm excited. (laughs) But um, yeah, Northern, I talked to grandpa Tony today for a preview that's going to come out tomorrow. He talked about how he believes his team has underachieved that they haven't strung together some good games. They haven't played consistently. They're turning the puck over in really bad situations, like the worst situations. They'll turn the puck over whether they're on the power play or they'll turn it over when they got the momentum going and it just completely goes the other end of the ice. It's They're just they're making mistakes that they didn't mm-hmm. make last year and didn't make two years ago. They're making mistakes when this is supposed to be like everything comes together kind of season, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, some people thought they'd win the conference this year and they're going to finish in the bottom half and not get home ice. And that's, that's got to sting a little bit. And yeah. when I asked Grant about that, he said, right now we are focusing on just trying to get ready and improve and get ready for the playoffs. He's not thinking about the standings. He's I'm sure he's well aware that they're one point ahead of St. Thomas and that mm-hmm. they're trying to get, better positioning they still could get fifth but they need yeah. to they need to get a sweep this weekend and keep building and building and building and that's up in the air however they also are feeling a little confident they just beat lake state won the couple cup they're feeling pretty good they looked good that game all periods to be so, fair not hard to look good against lake superior no disrespect that, that's true <laughs> I, i'm trying i'm trying to find i know I know. <laughs> yeah, so you're trying to find positivity, but that's that's why I'm here. I'm here to you know bring it back to earth a little bit. Yes, sometimes. yes. Uh, to to pop my balloon and be a little bit. So, yeah, so <laughs> but yeah, it's it's going to be a good matchup. I think it's going to be two tight games. Both are evenly matched. Good goalies. Good offense. It's it's going to be a fun one. Uh, I I'm expecting a good crowd too, so that'll be good. So what happens, Ryan? It's time to uh, go to Canterbury Park and place your bets at the horse racing window. Uh, does St. Thomas get one? Did they get two? Or does Northern Michigan, with maybe a bit of desperation play, knowing they need these points, and more importantly, maybe just to feel confidence, what happens this weekend? Well, I you know, I was asked this by a friend of mine, you know, because I was vague and I didn't pick the series when I came up with my predictions for this week on my own site. But I said, you guys will get a prediction out of me on the podcast. So I'm thinking it's going to be a split. I think Northern's going to take one and I think St. Thomas can get one. I think the teams are just so evenly matched and they're in similar positions. And when you're so close together in the standings, I think it can go either way. And I think it's going to be like a 3-2 game or a 4-3 game both nights. And it's it's going to be fun. It's going to come down to the wire. And it's 
I'm excited for this series. I, I mean, I get excited to cover all games that I get to be at, but this one just has a little extra something because I want to see if St. Thomas is finally coming together during this last little final stretch or to see who Northern really is. You know, have mm-hmm. they really truly underachieved or are they playing right where they should be? You know, they're, right. they're not. They actually are a sixth-place team instead of a conference contender and – Nobody noticed that, I guess, at the start of the year. So um, it's going to be a fun weekend. It's going to be a split, and uh, I'm actually pretty confident in that. St. Thomas, again, looking to continue to build off of year one and a half, essentially, right? So still a very young team and uh, making some noise again in the second half of the season. Uh, Ryan Stieg again from TripleDeek.com. Thank you very, very much. We have one final stop on our tour across the state of college hockey, and that will end with our friend Max Speech talking all things UMD Bulldogs. Do you love sports? Do you think you know more about sports than all of your friends? Do you like getting things for free? If you're still with me, you need better edge in your life. Legal sports betting in Minnesota and a free, that's right, free $20 sign-up bonus, no deposit required. Go to your browser right now. Type in betteredge.com slash sodapod. That's B-E-T-T-O-R edge, E-D-G-E, dot com slash sodapod, S-O-T-A-P-O-D, to claim your $20 today. And as promised, our last stop here with Max Beach covering UMD Bulldogs, Christian Babcock, who does cover Bemidji with us again running. The entire sports department up there is unavailable for tonight's contest. So, Max, you're going to be the ultimate crusader here on our tour of college hockey across the state of hockey. Welcome in, boss. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Um, Despite everything that's gone wrong in my life and the numerous, numerous bumps that I seem to be rolling over with the Bulldogs this year, I'm still managing to find the the bright spots in life. So um, I'm happy to say I'm doing well and hopefully you're the same. Yeah, doing well. Uh, apparently, we're doing well. Uh, Twitter is not. We've talked about this a couple of times earlier in the show. There's like, like it seems like social media is going down, and maybe it's that Chinese weather balloon. I don't know what the hell is going on. <laughs> yeah. anyway, um, well, in in a weird sense, what's happening to social media has been sort of the story of UMD this season. It's like, what in the hell is going on, right? Um, and unfortunately, after a pretty good showing, again going back to Saint Cloud. And then some, what we thought was hoping to be the start of maybe some momentum. Uh, Western Michigan comes into town, and uh, it kind of was a tale of two games. Uh, not bad Friday, actually. Um, Saturday, mm-hmm. I think Western Michigan realized uh, we maybe have to, you know, put this one down with our with our heel on the curb. Uh, yep. But you darn near pulled one away from Western Michigan, and we talked last week how one of those wins could be huge for you guys so close but yet just couldn't quite get it done yeah i mean we talked about it last week like you mentioned there uh friday was going to be the biggest game for me and for the bulldogs in the series and that proved to be the case i mean it was the the one that they were in the most and there was you know a lot of errors and things that i would like to see changed as well it's not to say that it was a great game that they should try and mimic moving forward just include the referee crew 
Uh, that it does, you know. In fact, it does include them. <laughs> I'll throw them in here too. We'll we'll get into that. You know, yes. screw it. We'll get into it right now. The Bulldogs Perfect. again for God knows how many times had three power plays all weekend. Not one game, not one period, all weekend. Three power plays total. They're criminally undercalling the Bulldogs' opponents, and it's infuriating. Like I, I don't, I don't need them to be even. I just need them to be in the same realm. When you're going to give somebody seven power plays and the Bulldogs three, like we're talking about that being a regular occurrence every single weekend, you cannot tell me that they're committing that many more penalties or other teams are committing that many fewer penalties for you. It's just, I'll never understand it. It's going to be something I yell about until the stats are even in the same ballpark. And you know what? People are just going to have to live with it. They can hate me for it. I've got plenty of other bad bad takes. So, yeah. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, back to Friday. Um, You know, I just wish they were able to capitalize more. And, you know, that's, that's me as a Bulldogs fan saying that when I think in the last you know, five or six minutes of the game, Western probably hit six different posts pretty hard and they were all yeah. really good chances as well. So yeah, I'm saying that while also knowing that Western had plenty of chances to capitalize as well and just didn't didn't go their way. So I was happy to see them push into overtime. I was happy to see them score with an, uh, you know, an extra attacker, but that's that's been the Bulldogs' lifeblood all year is that extra attacker, whether it's, you know, a goalie being pulled or on the power play. They're still, even after a weekend, they didn't score one, power play goal they're still seventh best in the nation in terms of power play efficiency um and when that's clicking you're seeing them win games and when it's not like this weekend you're seeing them lose those games and it's in a close fashion and it's frustrating and you know you would love to see it be a little bit more prevalent in their game and love to see them compete a little bit more in five on five but uh i think that's been similar with some some bulldogs teams in the past and you know when you can't score on the power play it's going to be really really tough to win games especially in this conference uh, you know, who's also been a lifeline for this squad. Uh, how about Ben Steves? Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Here's some homework for you. Maybe you know this. What is the UMD rookie goal scoring record for a single season? I would wonder if he's getting close. Uh, I would need to look it up. Um, there hasn't been a preview talking about it yet, which means he's at least two or three goals away. Um, but mm-hmm. I would imagine he's he's probably in that range, you know, five or six away from uh a record there because with this this one this weekend it puts them at 17 and you know yeah. they don't always have to be pretty if, you know for those that didn't watch the game and are just listening for an uh, an update on on my my feelings and thoughts here um shot it went off of the glass came back over the net hit the the goalie in the back and went in the back of the net and you know we saw lose we saw umd lose in the the um, national tournament last year on a very similar play when when you know, it went off of Fanti and going back in the net. So I was really happy to see them get a good bounce there. And then in overtime, we're back to bad bounces going off of Stasekul skating. And so it's, it's just, you know, <laughs> we get back to even, and then, you know, the universe comes in and, and says, you know, here's another bad goal against you guys. So, you know, I'm looking for another equalizer <laughs> here. I'm hoping to bank it and save it for a time. We really need it on the next one. So I, I guess when we look at the schedule here, Max, uh, it doesn't get any easier, unfortunately. Um, but you do have a week off this week, which may be good. Um, if you're the Bulldogs, it's it's kind of a weird timing, right? Because you, you sort of want to keep playing because you're, you're trying to get your legs underneath you, but maybe mentally you need a break. 
you can't say for this squad it's a good or a bad thing. I, I guess what do you make of the uh, the timing of this uh, bye week for you? Yeah, totally yet to be seen on everything. We were coming out of a St. Cloud series hot. We wanted to maintain that momentum. Weren't able to do that here. So it, it's certainly not a bad thing. I would hate to have a break now. Not not to say I would have hate to, to sweep Northern or uh, Western Michigan here because obviously anybody would want that. But, you know, for a team that was struggling earlier in the year to then hypothetically have won four games in a row against really quality opponents to then have to sit through a break, that would drive me mad. So um, it, it's not making me bonkers thinking about we're going to lose all this team because there was no steam to lose. Um, we we want to mm-hmm. be playing better. And, you know, I think we are able to to come away with some positives from this and say, hey, our defense was good. We kept the top scoring line in the nation to seven goals total on the weekend, one of which was an empty netter. And not, not all of those were in the top line either. Um, you know, we did give up two shorthanded goals, which was an absolute freaking nightmare. Um, puts us at five on the year, which is, you know, tied for third. But, you know, there's five or six teams that all have five. Um, and I forgot who's got eight, but they lead the pack. So we're not quite as bad. It was Merrimack. We're not quite as bad as Merrimack is on the power play, but. We're also not as proficient as them in scoring. So it's one of those things where you have to learn from from the opportunities when they're presented to you, and the Bulldogs have plenty to learn from. Um, I just, yeah, looking at that schedule, it's tough. I think there's three teams with a, a worse overall schedule. Um, UMD's got Denver. They've got a little bit of a quote-unquote break with Miami, and you know we've seen how they can you know come up and play the, the good teams really well, especially in the conference opponent scenario. And then they go to St. Cloud as well. So, you know, you're talking about a pairwise ranking of six and seven for those those stronger teams. And the only teams that have, you know, worse um, records in terms of opponents strength of schedule would be like uh, Wisconsin and Ohio State, where you're talking about them playing Minnesota, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, all those other ranked Big Ten teams that are sitting in the top ten right now. So outside of that, wow. there, there isn't anybody that's got a stronger schedule or a, a worse schedule, depending on if you're a fan or not, than, than UMD. And, you know, they've got to get ready for that, realize it, and use this extra week to prepare for it. So I was able to find um, that statistic, and it's actually more farther away than we think. Um, the record is 32 by a rookie. Can you imagine who did it? Who? Uh, no, I, I can't. You would be killing it. It was Brett Hull. Ah, did it the rookie scoring record for goals, and he did that all the way back in 1984-1985. That is the rookie goal scoring record again, uh, a Hall of Fame NHLer. So I guess that's you know, yeah, but, you know, but, they... yeah. It would be curious though as to if, if at least in recent history, if he's he's probably shattered some few of those because uh, yeah, like I said, he's been on a tear um, yeah. as of, as of late. Um, so Max, let's try to talk positives here because I know that this season has been a lot of the opposite, right? But with the St. Cloud series and even with Western Michigan, you know, we, we talked power play uh, when you do get one. So that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But are there any parts of the game that you see positives in? Um, and I know what's it, it, you want to take it. Cause if you're a player, if you're a fan, if you're a coach, you, we know this Bulldogs team, if you've watched them enough, which means you can never really count them out. So I guess there is a positive, uh, but you're also running against the clock here now, where if you're going to try to put something together um, out of thin air, you got to do it now. Uh, so what could the Bulldogs lean on to try to, I should say, quickly turn themselves into a dark horse candidate to try to just kind of throw everybody in the NCHC up for it in the air and go, what the heck is this going on? Yeah, I think um, if the Bulldogs want to 
make any sort of a push. And in my opinion, right now, it's going to have to be through the um, winning the conference tournament in order to make a, a run at the postseason. Outside of that, they've got such a long shot. I don't even know if it's worth talking about. But um, in order to do that, in order to make any sort of noise there, they're going to have to play a, a pesky style of game. And, you know, we saw mm-hmm. Denver succeed with that last year. And, you know, they had a ton of really good, talented players to go along with it. But that that style where you're just kind of being a, a gnat out there and, and getting in the, the sides of everybody in the corners and you're just battling out front, that's what they're going to have to do. They're not talented enough from a, a size standpoint and a hand standpoint and just cohesion standpoint to be able to work around a lot of these other players in, in such a big physical conference. And I think they've learned that now. And there's a, there's quite a few people that are, that are realizing that it's a a much different scenario than places they've played before. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're going to have to kind of adapt a little bit um, and whether or not Sandlin's going to want to do that. uh, I'm not entirely sure. I think he would love to see a little bit more tenacity of some of these guys. I think there's been a few lazier, I won't say lazy total, but lazier defensive plays. um, And that's, atypical to what we're normally seeing out of the Bulldogs. So yeah, um, really, really kind of locking it down and, and just being, like I said, that, that kind of pesky pest style of play. Um, I don't want to see it get, you know, physical or dirty because obviously UMD is on the wrong side of all of those calls. So subtle, subtle little jab there to our referee friends, but um, <laughs> not so, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would like to see them, um, you know, do do the small things right rather than have set big plays and and rely on those for any sort of their their scoring prowess. So Max, when you talk about being pesky, you, you trigger something in my head in, in a good way. Um, when I've had conversations with coaches, whether you know at multiple levels, NHL, AHL, uh, college juniors, right? There's different ways you can play pesky. Now, I think naturally we think, okay, that means we're playing physical, right? Sometimes you can be pesky by just kind of being in the way, right? And one yep. thing that caught my eye with UMD is when they're playing well, defensively, they stand up with their own blue line, right? They force you to chip it behind them, go chase it. And UMD historically has been a team that can play that system very well, which is you you, you kind of challenge them at the point of zone entry. You force a loose puck with them because if you're skinny, you got guys in the back end, like White Kaiser that can really skate, right? And then you can transition back the other way. Sometimes it's schematically, and you talk about commitment, right, to what Scott Sandler wants you to play. Is that what you're describing when you talk about peskiness? Because like you said, if you're not 6'1", 6'2", because we all remember the times of, what was it, Dustin Wolf when he smoked uh, Kevin Fitzgerald there? Yeah, Nick Wolf, sorry. Um, I'm I'm thinking of somebody else, apparently. Um, Well, and then you said Kevin Fitzgerald instead of... um... No, that was Kay Fitz who broke his shoulder. Got his shoulder it. Okay. blade. Yeah, that was him. Uh, okay. I was actually calling that game in in the building at M Soil when that happened. Uh, but you know, so that's kind of what the shall we say the default setting it for Pesky. But you can be Pesky in other ways, and I almost would argue that the Pesky that UMD wants to play is more of the latter, like just trying to be more shall we say disruptive on the ice and just kind of right. being in the battle, challenging. Am I am I completely off base here? Is that kind of what we're trying to do here? No, that's a hundred percent right. Um, they've just got to win the smaller battles when, when, when I don't want to say when it matters because everything really matters out there. But like an effort battle to to the puck, or you know, um, 
being a little bit smarter with stick lifts or whatever you need to in order to gain a little bit more possession. And what you mentioned on the defensive front, especially on the penalty kill, um, I think UMD still has one of the best penalty kill systems in in the country. I think they've still got a little bit of size that is is needed in order to do it. And like I said, sure. we've lacked a little bit of effort for for you know doing what we need to in that front. But you mentioned it before; they're always constantly challenging people at the point, even in that that pyramid scheme there, where you don't necessarily see that from other players. You see them, you know, sit back and try and get in lanes and this, that, and the other thing, and that just kind of allows people to pass around you. And you don't normally see that out of the Bulldogs. So I still want them to be aggressive. And yes, every once in a while, it's going to get burned or you're going to get burned doing it. But I think it's far fewer than if you allow somebody the the opportunity to make their own decisions instead of forcing them into one. So yeah, I I want to make people sit on their heels and, and put that pressure on them rather than trying to play a little bit smarter than everyone. Now let's flip the conversation from defense to offense right because <clears throat> if we and we've talked about it in different episodes uh besides ben steves there really hasn't been a consistent score on umd and, and you could almost argue to uh max and, and maybe i'm going way above what it's necessary but um i think in years past with the umd they've banked on having that strong defensive stance but then getting that timely goal getting that response on the offensive yep. end that's been missing. If there's any one thing that I've noticed is that's kind of been there kind of what has lacked is that counter punch. And that really is to say, yes, we stood up, but then we also made you pay on the other end. Um, if there is an Achilles heel that could slow down a late resurgence to the squad, is that sort of it? Yeah, that's absolutely it. And I mean, you saw that in the the Friday overtime game where Kaiser was trying to take it, you know, upon himself to make a really good play and he was being aggressive and kind of got caught back in his offensive zone um, and lost an edge. And that kind of gave an odd man rush and numbers going the other way and a lot of momentum and just a high energy situation coming at Stace goal. Ultimately saved the initial shot, went wide, whatever it might have been, and then ended up behind the net and found its way in. So him being that deep in my opinion is is likely because he feels like he's got to do some of those things whereas in years past he might have had a noah cates or some of these other guys that have been around and kind of take on that weight themselves so um you are seeing a little bit more from like a a dominic james but even he has fewer goals than steve's this year um luke lowheit always seems to be getting a goal every now and then when you know you kind of feel like you need one and he got one at the end of that friday game as well um, but outside of outside of those those couple of names there, um, they're few and far between. Uh, we saw Dashkey yeah. at the beginning of the year kind of, you know, um, captaining that power play and showing off his, you know, uh, offensive ability as a defenseman. But that's kind of tailed off. So I, I just don't yeah. necessarily know um, where UMD is going to be getting those things from in years to come just because Dashkey's going to be gone. Kaiser is a question mark whether or not he's going to go to the NHL or come back for another year. Same thing with Dominic James. He's probably um, on Bedard watch too. Yeah, 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 100%. So, um, it's, it's a matter of, you know, how fast um, Chicago wants to to execute their rebuild and go into that, that mode where they're bringing up the younger players. And I really think they could both benefit from another year uh, at UMD, maybe one a couple more years than the other. But um, I don't know that that's going to be a guarantee. And that's that's tough to realize as a UMD fan. Um, but somebody else is going to have to step up from an offensive standpoint in order for them to to remain competitive in their conference and in college hockey in general. 
Last question here, Max, to wrap up the episode. But, you know, and we talked about this with Ryan too with St. Thomas, and that is, you know, we can have the conversations about the opponents. We can have conversations about schemes and, and battle intensity, but it really comes down to belief in that locker room and belief that they can kind of pull themselves out of it. I would think that, you I mean, you, you kind of have to have it if you're an athlete, but let's be honest, let's from human to human, that's a lot tougher uh, of a task than maybe we want to say it is because again, the record doesn't, you know, it speaks for itself. Um, it, it's been a rough road, but isn't that the ultimate key to turn this thing around now? I mean, you don't want to say it's never too late because we saw it last year. UMD goes on and wins the NCHC frozen faceoff. So we know they're capable of it. Question is, does that locker room think they can do it? Um, there's been so much turnover in the locker room right now and so few remaining players from a team that's been to the Frozen Four that I'm not sure how much of that is being distributed to the younger guys. I think they may have seen it if they've been local and paying attention to UMD. Uh, for some of the guys that grew up in other areas of the country or, you know, Canada or some other places that might not have been uh, paying as close attention to UMD, they might be hearing these stories but weren't following it as closely. Um, with that being said, I think Sandlin's got plenty of stories that he has probably been telling and can tell in the future if he hasn't gotten to them already about teams that are very similar to this UMD team in terms of production and troubles and, you know, overall record where they did make a run. So uh, I imagine he'll, he'll be putting some of those tapes on. And if they don't believe yet, I think they will have plenty of reason to believe forward. So with that being said, that will wrap things up here in MNCAA and the Bulldogs. A week off before, um, it's either put up or shut up, right, Max? So yep. it's uh, uh, unfortunately the clock's running out on uh, some of the teams here across our coverage area, but we'll be here to cover it for you all here on the podcast. For all of our panelists, I'm Max, and we say so long, and we'll see you back next week here on MNCAA.